0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive, Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We are talking Michigan's forty-five to twenty-three win over Ohio State. We're going to discuss a little bit of the ins and outs. Honestly, Steve, you and I were talking before the show. Not not necessarily like an X's and O's breakdown. I mean, this was a... Right, Michigan fans are in euphoria right now. This is more about the statement, the big picture. Yeah, the statement, really. That's, that's the word I would use that Michigan made with this pretty dominant win. So we'll talk about J.J. McCarthy. We'll talk about Michigan's pitch as maybe the number one team. We'll talk about the rivalry and discuss... If or how much the tide has turned in the rivalry, but but I want to start here because we're we're not necessarily Michigan football historians, but we've we've followed Michigan and and we're we're pretty well versed in the history. I really think this is one of the greatest wins in Michigan football history. I, I think any hyperbolic statement you want to make from this win, this win cannot be overstated. You're not being too hyperbolic if you think this is one of maybe the, most impressive wins in Michigan football history. There's been a lot of them. I mean, there's been a lot of top 10 wins, a lot of top five wins, plenty of wins over Ohio State. But if you start laying it all out on the road against an undefeated arch rival, 106,787 fans in the stands, you're missing your number one offensive player and your number one defensive player. You are trying to go 12-0 and for just the second time In program history and then you you go out and outscore the Buckeyes 28 to 3 in the second half your backup running back who has a cast on his right hand gains more yards on two plays Buckeyes do the entire second half and you know I felt like last year's win over Ohio State extremely impressive but that felt a little bit like the perfect storm you know Michigan's got this gigantic chip on their shoulder Ohio State hasn't lost to Michigan in a decade at that point and and as much as peop as much as Michigan fans kind of make fun of the Buckeyes for the for the weather, the flu. I mean, it, it that they, it did seem to play into Michigan's hand. Saturday, really nothing was playing into Michigan's hand before before kickoff. I mean, it's on the road talking about the injuries, not just Coram and Mike Morris, but there were there were other players who were definitely limited. I know uh Luke Schoonmaker had the, the compression on his shoulder. Edwards was in a cast, and then I think mid game. You know, you saw Ohio State, it wasn't, it wasn't like not their day early on. They came out, they scored a touchdown, first touchdown on an opening drive. Michigan is allowed all season. And then they start marching down the field again. Michigan gets a stop, but but it's 10 to three. Michigan has two straight three and outs. They're about to have a third one, but then Cornelius Johnson makes that catch, takes it 69 yards for a touchdown. And then suddenly in the second half, they just, they just turned on the Jets. And, and Steve, I think you would agree, from a pure, like, impressive standpoint, this year's win more impressive than last year's. I think Ohio State, I mean, they were undefeated this year. That This was at their own building. I know they were injured, too, especially at running back. But, boy, Michigan really delivering a statement. More physicality. Just elite, top-notch defensive adjustments and and really just a lot of a lot of grit it seemed like every player was out there either either before the game before the season or even in game was was challenged you know, had adversity whether it was an injury whether it was i mean mike Sane was still position switch right mid, mid late in his career that's that's not always a good sign i think a lot of players who were are are about to be senior maybe even captains and their head coach says, "Would you like to try switching positions?" They might take that the wrong way. Think about Michael Barrett, who had 11 tackles yesterday. I I think if he had hit the transfer portal this spring, would I, I think Michigan fans would have understood? You know, he he was asked to change positions, lost a starting job, really did not play a ton last season, except for like specific matchups. But he's out there making making play after play against the buck guys it just you can go down the list offense defense guys were, were just making plays clutch plays i, I mike sandra still said before the game big time players make big time plays in big time games and i think for years for for decades really i think michigan in big time games and big time moments they didn't always get the big time plays there'd be a turnover you know the the offense would stall the defense would give up a big play that that turned out to be the the dagger. And on Saturday time and again, the big time plays were made in the big time moments. I know Ohio State it seemed like they didn't have their best second half. you know it seemed like they kind of got in their heads a little bit, but that's a credit to Michigan because that was supposed to Ohio state's game to win. If you watch the first half, particularly maybe the first quarter. It really felt like Michigan was just barely hanging on. I mean, they were lucky to be only down three points at halftime. But as they have all season, the halftime adjustments were just incredible. I think Michigan, some, the the cynic was thinking, oh, Michigan, it's very lucky to only be down three. But I think Michigan viewed that as a victory because I think they knew that they could hit the reset button, get over the the Blake Corum kind of deflating T- seemed to take the wind out of the offensive sails in the first half. So they got to hit the reset button and they just got to work. Offensive line played better. I thought the defensive line got much better getting off blocks. Really phenomenal day in coverage for the Wolverine's secondary against uh probably its toughest assignment of the season, no matter who they play moving forward. You know, how many times was CJ Stroud? He had a ton of time, and you know, it's not like he got brought down with sacks a ton, but but he was looking around, he was looking around going all through all four reads, nobody was open. You know, I, I don't, I don't think Michigan would have been able to out talent Ohio state on Saturday, but they darn sure outplayed them and top five win on the road to go 12 and O with, with guys out too, not just, you know, a starter here and there, but like your best offensive player, Blake Corum, your best defensive player, Mike Morris. I'm sure there there are people who might say the 1969 win over Ohio state or the 1980 Rose bowl, Obviously, the the winning the national championship in nineteen ninety seven, I think the the win in ninety seven at Penn State thirty four to eight. You know, there's been some really impressive wins along the way, but in terms of pure context added, showing out and, and dominating in such an impressive way, I think Saturday is in the top five all time wins. And frankly, I, I I'd have to sit through the numbers and I guess a little bit, but but it has a pretty good case as the number one win in Michigan football history. Steve, what do you think? Where does this, where does this sit with you and and what really jumped out to you about Michigan, particularly in the second half, their performance?
0: Gotta be it's top two wins that I've seen in my life as a Michigan fan with context included. I think, I do think, you know, probably the 97, the Rose bowl. But, but even then though, I, you know, I think Michigan was favored in that game. I think a lot, I know it ended up being a close game, but I think, you know, Michigan was expected to win that game just the way, you know, yeah, last year, it's like, I was telling you before we got on, you know, it's like, I think, I think them turning around and, and winning again uh, is more meaningful than getting the initial win last year. It's like, you know, Ohio state was not going to beat Michigan every year Forever, you know, it was inevitable at some point Michigan would pull one out, uh, you know, which which was last year. Uh, but then to come back, you know, and, and and go on the road and and really do it in a more dominating fashion than they did is, uh, yeah, you can't say enough about it. It's just when you watch when you watch this team, it, just, it feels like uh, just a a total buy in across the board you know and and one thing that really the couple a few things that stood out to me but how many guys particularly particularly defensively but I mean I guess you could throw Cornelius Johnson in there as well uh played their best game of the season yesterday you know guys like Br- Braden McGregor uh Jalen Hurrell, uh still uh probably had one of his best games of the season if not his best game of the season you know it was like that's kind of what Michigan has had to face in rivalry situations in the past. But when you talk about Ohio State, Michigan State, it's like it felt like Michigan State, sorry, under Antonio, you know, those guys would seem to play above themselves in that game. And that's this kind of felt like that for Michigan yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, can't say enough about the way they did it. I agree. Getting into halftime the way they did, I think, was a huge win. And then it just kind of played out the way it's played out for Michigan all season. They've been a second-half team all year, and and it was like watching two different games pretty much. I mean, Michigan, I think, was getting beat up front in the first half pretty consistently. I think I noted, I think I tweeted, Uh, you know, Ohio State running the ball on second and 13. I think Ohio State felt like they were in some kind of control up front, you know, to make play calls like that. Uh, but in the second half, it was a, a total 180. I mean, Michigan dominated both sides of the ball up front, and like I said, they did it with a lot of, you know, I think on the Upshaw interception, I, I want to say the the line was was Rayshawn Benny, Mason Graham, and Derek Moore, along with Upshaw. I mean, you're talking about a redshirt freshman, two true freshmen, and uh, a senior who's been uh, rotated in as sort of he's probably sort of a quasi starter, I guess. I mean, but either way, though, you know, not. Not the four guys you would think would be, you know, lining up in the fourth quarter in Columbus in a game that Michigan is winning. So just to get that buy-in from from everybody across the board. And, and the other thing, too, can't say enough about what Jesse Minter has done at defensive coordinator. Uh, just a, a master class in the second half. I thought one of the similarities to last year's game was Ohio State had to complete I think their biggest plays of the game were on like legit NFL level throws from CJ Stroud. Uh, And credit to him, he has that ability. But Michigan's coverage was, you know, the stats, you know, I think he threw for almost 400 again this year, much like he did last year. Uh, But the coverage was just right there all day. So, yeah, no, this, I I would, I got to think Michigan fans wake up today feeling even better than they did after last year's win, just because this might say more about where the rivalry uh, could be going for the next five or six years.
1: Yeah. I think last year there was so much of a relief for Michigan fans. Just what I heard from the Michigan fans that I know pretty well this year, it was more pride They're Michigan fans are filled with more pride right now. And it's, Obviously, Michigan has had a lot of successful winning seasons, including winning the Big Ten last season. But I think it has been a long time since Michigan fans really had this true on top of the world feeling like even when they did win, like there's still an Alabama or or Ohio State would still be looming or, or Ohio State would still have the whatever the eight game win streak, whatever it was, 15 out of 16 I can't even remember the numbers now because I, I think that doing it twice and doing it twice in such a dominant fashion, doing it in Ohio State for the first time since 2000. And then the other stat that I, that I came across last night, Steve, this is Ohio State's first 20-point loss at home since 1999. So when Michigan in that fourth quarter, I, I know J.J. McCarthy went kind of viral. He was waving goodbye to the Ohio State fans. And when they're when they're kneeling out the game, and Ohio Stadium is pretty much empty, that is such a rare sight. It has been probably twenty three years since Ohio Stadium was that empty at the end of a loss for the Buckeyes. And so, yeah, I, th- I think I think there's pride is is the feeling this year. Last year, I think it was it was euphoria still, and obviously there was still a lot of pride, but I think it was more like a. Excitement, like they pulled it off, they they snapped the streak. Now, I think there's a sense that Michigan is, like the, the engine's running and they're starting to build some speed. They've been good for much of Jim Hart here, but I think when you see sophomores making these plays, freshmen making these plays, and then winning at Ohio State, you start thinking about the rest of this year. Suddenly, and we'll talk about it in the second half of this episode, the the Georgia Michigan gap doesn't feel that vast. And then for for some, you know, it's a few days before Michigan plays again. You start thinking about next year, and you start thinking about the year after that, and you, and you start to see the path where Michigan really emerges as a perennial top five giant. And Steve, you kind of touched on it just a moment ago, but I I, I want us to debate this. The rivalry has the tide turned. Two wins is not what Ohio State had, but you've brought it up. I know people on the message board have brought it up. I think it's absolutely a fair question. I'm not, I would never predict Michigan to win like five of these in a row, right? That's not really supposed to be. That's not why the rivalry is is as big as it is, you know, because both teams constantly are working to to be better and to figure it out. But I do feel like. Over like, if you think about the the three year window, it very much feels like Michigan could easily win two out of It just feels like Michigan is is clicking. They have the confidence. You talk about you know Michigan players in big games in the past kind of got tight. Yesterday it was Ohio State that got tight. It felt like they they played worse as the game got more tense and more comfortable. Michigan played better. That was true in the trenches. I felt like that was true with Ohio State's play calling. I think it was true with the coaching. And it, and it did feel like some of Ohio State's key players wow. regressed as the game wore on. Whereas Michigan players could run down the list. There's like 20 guys that, that, as you mentioned, either played the best games of their lives or played as good as they've ever played. So I, I I do kind of think the tide has turned on the rivalry. And I I do think Ohio State, I mean, we'll see, right? It feels like Ohio State is, is more of the kind of program that will be cutthroat in terms of jobs or they, like they're going to do it. They're going to pull out all the stops because now they feel like like it's not a fluke anymore. I didn't feel like last year's win was a fluke win for Michigan, but I do think Ohio state and and people who don't like Michigan could spin the narrative that it was, you know, a once in a blue moon type thing. Well now it's twice. And both times we're, we're not even like close they were close at halftime, but they were not close in the second half. So I do think the tide has turned. I do think you're looking at a, at a situation where Michigan has an opportunity to take control because I think that confidence is going to be there next year. And I think a lot of the key players are going to be there next year. I know Ohio State, you know, they're always going to be talented, but I, I kind of wonder in terms of the combination of talent and experience, Without knowing Ohio State's depth chart in and out, I kind of wonder if Michigan's going to be in position to do the same thing next year, just because of how many players are freshmen and sophomores and and likely to be back next season. So, Steve, tide turned. Like, I feel like that's like something that Ohio State listeners are going to clip that audio and play it if <laughs> next time Michigan loses to Ohio State. But it, it does feel like it does feel like the momentum has absolutely shifted in Michigan's favor. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, momentum's definitely shifted. I, I don't think I, I think what Ohio State did the the previous years before these last two seasons is is I don't think we're gonna see that again from either. I don't think either school. I think that, that's just be very difficult for a team. Are you either. talking
1: about the the dominance?
0: Yeah, just what, what was yeah. it, fourteen of fifteen or fifteen of yeah State, felt like it a
1: perfect storm of Ohio State really becoming a national recruiting team because previously I think they'd been a little bit more regional and Michigan having some coaching ineptitude that, that exactly. just yes. turned, made the confidence. It did feel like Michigan went into those games overthinking a little bit.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, yeah, I think, you know, the this brings things much, much closer to the rivalry, kind of being the rivalry, uh, the rivalry again. And yeah, I mean, now it fascinating Situations for Ohio state. I mean, you're going to lose your, your star quarterback. Um, You know, now, now with Ohio state, you're in a position where your head coach has kind of been honked two years in a row. They've been out physical. Michigan has out-coached them. You know, I think we, I go back to, to when I was saying that, you know, I I think that Jim Harbaugh has out-coached Ohio state in the majority of the game's that he has coached for Michigan and between these two teams, I think in many years before it it came down to such a gap in talent. Um, you know, now you're Ohio State. You, you know, your coach has been out coached two years in a row. Yeah, you're losing your star quarterback. Now you're yeah you're banking on whoever you put in there next year at quarterback being as good as uh, what Stroud was, and you have to go back to Ann Arbor again. I mean, yeah, I'd be. I think on paper right now, I I think you'd probably put Michigan as the big 10 favorite, uh, heading into next season. And, and that alone, I think tells you that the the momentum is absolutely shifted for sure. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I think bringing it back to a, to a situation where maybe we don't quite know who's going to win the game (laughs) every year is really kind of where you want it to get back to, uh, you know, because, yeah, for years it was a – the game was almost a foregone conclusion who was going to win. Um, and now Michigan has put themselves in position – like you said, the other thing about yesterday, so many guys that will be back next year that made significant plays also. Those are experiences and, and things that you don't really uh, – that you can carry with you. You know, we talk about – we'll be talking about McCarthy here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, no, tied definitely – shifted I don't even know I don't really know how you can deny that uh at this point so you know yeah it's, I mean it's, it is a definitely Michigan on the rise uh strong culture in the locker room we've seen that time, time time out uh time and time again and uh yeah with Ohio State now it starts now you know the fan base and you know the, like the everything's going to get louder and and more difficult for them as far as you know what needs to be done to get things back to what they've been for them before
1: yeah i think the the biggest way to measure it is and this is a credit to ohio state but when was the last time hashtag fire ohio state's head coach whoever it has been when was the last time that would would, was like a? i don't know if it's ever been a trending topic right because social media doesn't go back that far but like like, when was last time an Ohio State coach was truly on the hot seat for their performance? And I don't know if Ryan Day's truly on the hot seat, I, I but I did see it was trending on Twitter. And, and I've seen a few different Ohio State people. I don't think anyone's saying it yet, just because his overall record is so good. But there's a little bit of, like, serious changes need to be made. And they made serious changes last year. They hired a new defensive coordinator, kind of with the Michigan game in mind they made improvements in their run defense overall, but didn't show against the one top 30 rushing offense they faced this season. And even that one didn't have Blake Corum out there. I mean, you never know, but I feel, I feel like that game could have been even worse if Blake Corum was running the ball. So Ohio state is absolutely on its heels right now. And I don't think it's been on its heels in since like 2000, really that was probably the last time last time Michigan won this consecutive games in this rivalry. So, going to going to be interesting because that you know that that has a it, it does feel like there's a cyclical effect to having triumphant wins in rivalry games. We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about JJ McCarthy and we'll also talk about this question is Michigan deserving of being the number 1 team in the country? We we go over the debate on the other side of this break. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, there's a lot of individual players who had phenomenal games on Saturday. A lot of players who maybe at some point in their careers were not fan favorites, like Cornelius Johnson. I know he's had some issues with drops, but but probably the best game of his career. Mike Samer still uh, really looking like one of Michigan's best defensive backs in the past decade period, and that's with All-Americans. I mean, he is... He is having a phenomenal season and, and seems to to play his best games when Michigan needs him the most. But, but really, one player who I think you and I both agree had not just the best game of his career, but the kind of game that maybe ignites a fire for him and for Michigan is J.J. McCarthy. Only completed three of his first nine passes, right? Like, I, I don't think anyone was really... Thinking that what you know he would end up with 264 passing yards and three touchdowns, four overall touchdowns, a career high when he started, but but it felt like as soon as he hit that Cornelius Johnson that first touchdown pass, that kind of got got him settled in. He even admitted after the game he was a little too amped up, but it felt like that touchdown kind of that there was a snap, and it felt like that got him comfortable because he ended up completing nine of twelve passes after those first nine passes. He completed nine of his next 12 for 214 yards and three touchdowns. And a couple of them were wide open, right? Like, like is that a is that an Ohio State coverage buster is that a really great play call by by Michigan? But it really felt like this was the first game where JJ McCarthy was the star. Like I I know he played great against Hawaii. I don't really count that for much. And I know Indiana. He technically threw for more yards, threw for three hundred yards. But but one, that's Indiana. It's two, well, two, it was also still Indiana. Yeah, this this was a different level. Felt like you saw McCarthy kind of take take the reins, take the steering wheel with Blake Corum out, and lead Michigan to, as we mentioned, at least one of the top five greatest wins in Michigan football history. I mean, he enters legendary status thinking about the quarterbacks of all time who have won at Columbus and put up the stats that he did, kind of led the team through the emotional tumult of of losing its Heisman contending running back in the biggest game of the season. And I feel like, you know, I had a column about this this morning. I feel like that game opens the door for Michigan for all of its other dreams and ambitions, thinking about winning a college football playoff game, maybe winning a national championship, as we kind of mentioned, running it back and winning the Big Ten next year. It all feels extremely possible after seeing J.J. McCarthy's game. He completed some deep passes. You know, he was sharp on, on some of those short intermediate passes that we mentioned being a key to this game and really just commanded the offense well. Michigan's had a lot of good quarterbacks go down to Columbus and struggle with turnovers, struggle with disorganization because it's really loud, struggle with mistakes, I mean that that stadium, not just Michigan. A lot of teams. Ohio State's one hundred and thirty-eight and twelve at that stadium over the last twenty years. So there's a lot of quarterbacks who've gone to that to that Hornets Nest and gotten stung. McCarthy didn't, and he was able to to wave goodbye to the fans as they left early because of the performance that he had. Steve, what what did you see from JJ McCarthy, and what does that mean for Michigan moving forward?
0: I agree. It opens the doors for them to make a run at this whole thing, I guess. Uh, it was really kind of the last, I mean, wasn't it? Kind of the last piece of the puzzle was...
1: I don't have deep ball passing stats anymore. Right? Yeah. No, I mean,
0: th- th- that was kind of the... And we've been waiting on it all year. Also, I think this answers the, can the staff scheme receivers open? Uh, you know, because uh, they were criminally open consistently yesterday. So, no, I, I I'm big on there are yeah a game like this can really change a lot of things like we just talked about what it can do for the program but yeah for an individual player like a guy like McCarthy who we know has all the talent in the world has been good this year but but we've seen where he can be even better and now that happened yesterday uh can be a real springboard for going forward this year and into next year where you know you got to wonder he'll be probably talked about as a award contender uh, in certain circles. So, you know, I, you can't say enough about what an experience like this can do for a a guy. And again, this isn't just like a, a quarterback. I mean, he is, he's super, super talented. He's, he's really kind of a dual threat type guy, in my opinion. I mean, he, when he gets out in the open, he can, he can run away from guys. I mean, he, you know, but he also, I thought the other thing that was huge yesterday um, and I saw somebody commented this. I, I it's hard for me not to agree. I, I don't really see CJ Stroud like trying to barrel his way in the end zone like McCarthy did on that run. Uh, you know, I think they've talked a few games during the telecast this year about McCarthy's hockey background, uh, giving him a little bit more of an ability to not play, not not uh, say place, not play scared, but like to play with a little more physicality than you might expect from a guy his size because he is pretty wiry. Uh but you know that just that toughness uh and and that moxie uh is you know really these types of games can can develop that kind of thing for for a guy in his position and and it clearly did you know and even the even the improvised throw to Bell early off the back foot going across his body was another you know really great pass uh you know that I mean he he probably makes that pass more than 50 percent of the time but again with the stakes where they're at where you're playing the, just the, the what's going on uh makes it more impressive so yeah gotta think this will be a, a nice momentum builder for him heading into next weekend and then most likely it, we assume Michigan wins uh into the playoffs
1: yeah and honestly even if Michigan doesn't win and I, I think they're still gonna make the playoffs at, at 12 and 1 with two top 10 wins that were so convincing but that's Different discussion, yeah. With, with JJ, I think the other thing that really just jumps out to me is I think it was super, extremely clear yesterday what kind of leader he is for Michigan and how responsive his teammates are to that leadership. You know, I, I'm sure by now most most people that listen to this podcast know about his meditating on the field before games. But I was just really struck. I was there earlier than I usually am. Uh, so I got to see kind of the early warm-ups. I mean, there, you know, he was hugging the guy who, like, the trainer who, like, stretched his arm out before he warmed up. He hugged him for, like, 30 seconds. And he hugged, you know, Ben Herber. He hugged all of his teammates. Like, this is just someone who really is so genuinely positive but also emotionally invested In every element of not just his career, but but his team, and I think that really brings out the best in Michigan's culture. They had a great culture last season. I'm not going to suggest that that JJ has done a 180 here, but I think he brings out the best in Michigan's culture because I think people want to play hard for him. People are rooting for him on the team. Like there's no animosity or whatever. Yeah, this is someone who has command for the team and just brings this level of positivity. I mean, I think that makes a difference in a game like this, right? Because things were not positive from start to finish for the Wolverines. And it it did look a little dicey early. But I think McCarthy being so zen, I guess is is maybe the word that I would use. I think that that really rubs off on Michigan, allows them not to panic in games like this. So I I really, really impressed, not just with, the big plays that he made because there were some pretty darn good big plays but it did feel like we saw jj mccarthy the leader on the road without blake Corum, in scoring that win all right steve last topic that i want to discuss obviously we'll have the preview episode for michigan versus per- later on this week and and i'm sure in december you and i can kind of unpack the the big picture thoughts on on michigan football as well but the last topic i want to discuss is I think you and I are both not quite there yet but Michigan made a pretty convincing case for having being the nation team we'll see what the polls say obviously the college football playoff selection committee is the only one that really matters on Tuesday but I think a case was made Michigan now leads the nation in in scoring margin per game and overall they are 12 and0 they have, beaten two top 10 teams in Penn State and Ohio State by three touchdowns each, including one on the road. They have two games this year that weren't decided by at least two touchdowns or double digits, I should say, I guess. And really, I think what stands out to me is in their biggest game of the season, they closed the game with a 28-3 to second-half scoring margin. It feels like they're extremely balanced. It I think their defense checks out as if not statistically the best, one of the best in just about every category. Georgia's really good, and they won the national title last year, and they're 12-0 and 0 this season. So I think I'm sticking with Georgia, but, but Steve, what kind of case do you think Michigan made? Because I think for much of the season it was they haven't really played anybody, and they aren't winning games by like 40. They're winning games in like the 20 to 30 margin, but when they do it against Ohio State, I think it carries more weight. So, Steve, where where do you sit in the the Michigan? I assume it's Michigan versus Georgia in terms of the debate. For but did Michigan make a pretty compelling case to you?
0: I'd say it's hard not to think that the gap isn't closer between the two teams, Georgia and Michigan, as it was last year. I was just looking. Georgia had the big win over Oregon to begin the season, and then they had the home win over Tennessee. But the rest of their conference slate, we're, we're talking South Carolina, Mizzou, Auburn, Vandy, Florida, Mississippi State, and Kentucky. Uh, not necessarily a, a murderer's row when you're talking about the SEC. Um, you know, two things for me: one, I don't, I don't care how good Georgia is. I, I have it is hard for me to fathom that their defense is better than last year's defense. Like even with all the talent. They accumulate year in and year out. I think last year's defense for Georgia was historic. Um, with just the amount of talent and just everything about that defense was amazing. So I would still probably just because on the flip side I talk about their schedule, uh, you know, Mizzou, like the only team that really kind of challenged them, maybe Kentucky to a lesser extent. Otherwise, I mean, I don't think Georgia's done anything to for me yet to say they're not the number one team in the country, but I do, I'd say this, it feels like the gap between Georgia one, Michigan two is much smaller than the gap between Michigan two and let's say TCU or USC uh, three and four. So, you know, that, that's kind of where I sit with it right now, but yeah, I mean, Michigan, cause that Penn state win looks better and better for Michigan almost every week uh because Penn State's played some pretty good football coming out of that loss. I mean they they did give they gave Ohio State a good run. Uh they demolished Michigan State yesterday. They've just looked pretty solid uh since they were in Ann Arbor. Uh you know, so that that win looks better and better and then yeah, like but yesterday's win for Michigan I think is probably the most impressive win for anybody. Uh most more more impressive than any of Georgia's wins, I would argue. But I still, you know, yeah, if I was ranking the teams right now, I think I still have Georgia as one and, and Michigan, but uh, maybe a comfortable two, Uh, you know, I, I do think, like I said, I think they're a little bit closer to Georgia than, you know, feels like a, a very clear cut top two and then a little more debate after that.
1: I think that's where I would sit as well. I, I know I irked some people on our message board last year when I, You pick Georgia to beat Michigan by double digits. I don't think I'd pick it to be that lopsided this year. I I haven't really dug into Georgia, partly because I've had no need to. Michigan's not playing them, but I think if the if I were to pick and like really dive in on between the two teams, I think I would find Michigan is better than last season, and Georgia, worse, makes it sound like they took a step back. They obviously didn't because they're twelve and zero, but maybe not quite as flawless as they were a season ago so i i think i'd still go georgia one michigan two but i'm with you i think the gap's a lot closer and and i think next week will tell us a little bit you know we'll see michigan playing a, a very intriguing team in purdue that has also gone on a little bit of a winning streak to to get there they'll be pretty much in their hometown too uh you know about an hour away from west lafayette where it's like Georgia, they'll they as you mentioned, really good wins over Oregon and Tennessee, but haven't played a ton of high shelf top shelf. I'm hesitant to say top shelf because LSU's nine and three, but but high caliber, high talent teams this season. So going to be interesting. Both teams will be vouching, I think, for that number one bid next week. Steve, anything else from this game or from this weekend that that stands out to you? Really, uh, I don't know about you. I, I, I'm i curious about this. Like, like when Ohio State was up 10-3, did you have a little bit of that, like, up oh, here it goes, it's happening, and the injuries are starting to mount, and you see Ohio State moving the football as well as they did? Like, credit to Michigan for, for holding Ohio State to just a field goal on that second drive, because that ended up – I think that ended up looming large in the, the picture and the momentum of the game. But that just kind of jumps out to me. It's like how much I was – I was, you know, myself and many other people in press row, including Alejandro, you know, we were kind of like, here, here it goes. Ohio State's got, you know, punch after punch and we'll see how many Michigan has. And then, and then they didn't. And then that second half happened. But anything else jump out to you from the game yesterday and Michigan's big win?
0: Hard not to think that at that point, especially, like I said, I've said it in every pre-write or or preview or pre-thing about this series that I've ever written is this game's always won up front. It was again yesterday. Uh, Ohio State was winning up front then. Last year felt different. Last year Michigan came right out of the gates, and it just it just felt like a different game because uh, Michigan was dominating up front. They were running the, you know, they were getting seven or eight yards a pop on first down. You know, that's what Ohio State was looked like. They were running the ball more effectively than they have, uh, you know, early on even with like you put train in there who hadn't played like all year. Uh, and he's, you know, you have a guy like that running for eight, nine yards a pop in the first half. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it's weird how these games are a lot of these games, no matter who wins feel similar because uh, Edwards taken two big ones to the house is, is so reminiscent of what Ohio state's done in this game uh, over the years to Michigan, yep. where that backbreaking like 70 yard, touchdown run uh that was like a, a mirror image going the other way in, in Michigan's favor just the first one the second one was more icing on the cake but the first one you know really that's when you th- I think we felt you know the Michigans they're probably going to win this game you know the heart kind of crazy but uh yeah we've been conditioned to think that Ohio State's just going to s- score a, a, a point a minute you type deal uh when when they're when their quarterback's comfortable and they're running the football not easily so yeah that's like I said Michigan just what they've done in the second half this year is just probably the most impressive just thing in general about this team is, is how much they have dominated the second half. Um, you know, uh, that says a lot about the team, like the players, uh, it says is maybe even more about the the coaching um, and just the stick-to-itiveness. You know, they go into the locker room, whatever, whatever they're saying in the locker room at halftime is, is clearly working. It was cl- clearly worked. Yesterday and and yeah now Michigan's on the precipice of a uh, another playoff appearance and and this year I think a better chance at at going all the way.
1: In terms of what they say in the locker room, by the way, uh, I think it varies a little bit. But but yesterday Mike Sainer still was telling us after the game that Jim Harbaugh just told the team very like matter of fact. I think everyone who's watched a Harbaugh press conference can kind of conjure up how this is being conveyed. He said nothing to worry about we're a second half team go win the football game and mike samber still was kind of like he was like and i believed him like i really was like yeah maybe we are maybe this is our our moment and i i think keeping it simple but at the same time hard to argue with the results michigan i think a lot of it's coaching a lot of it is the culture and as you mentioned kind of the mindset not being afraid or intimidated or or not even afraid or intimidated but like worried or panicked. And then I think the third thing, and this is where I, I agree with Jim Harbaugh that he should be nominated for the, for the Broyles Award as top assistant coach. Ben Herbert has both sides of the ball conditioned to play and win over 60 minutes. It is incredible how many games, it might almost be a, a concern, how many games Michigan is either trailing or just barely winning or not, not necessarily playing to expectations in the first half. But every single time, even against the good teams, they have outscored Penn State and Ohio State, you know, 58 to 6 in the second half. That is coaching, conditioning, and culture. As a result, Michigan is 12 and 0, and they will play in the Big Ten Championship next week. They'll be playing Purdue in Indianapolis. We'll have a full preview along with tons of content over at the Michigan Sports Michigan.247 Sports.com. We'll even have some more stuff from this game. I've got my takeaways. I've got my column up, but we'll have other stories. Myself and Alejandro and Josh Newkirk were live on the scene. Lots of other stories stemming from this weekend. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.